Africa Development Mission Trust uh, and Compassion Christian Church have been in partnership for several years now, uh, transforming and building lives by starting churches, raising a new generation of leaders, and empowering uh, individuals economically. One of the most exciting things we've been able to do is to go into different schools and different communities and drill wells so that we can bring clean drinking water. It's another thing to carry a heavy bucket of water for a long distance, especially for the children and the women who are the ones who fetch water for the most part. So one of the most exciting things we've been able to do is to introduce the water bags where they can just carry those uh, bags on their shoulders and be able to travel a long distance without feeling uh, the weight of the water. In Zimbabwe, on the month of October, there was an outbreak of cholera. Most of the kids at Matezwa Primary School were not affected because of using these plastic water bags. It contains safe water for drinking. Cholera, cholera, cholera kills. Wash your hands after you. children how to use water one. Uh, also we teach you kids how to use and to store water. It's amazing what happens when you choose compassion. What started off as us just bringing clean water and an easier way of carrying that water uh, through the water bags has turned into something much bigger. Right now in different schools and villages, they are hanging those water bags on trees and using them to clean uh, their hands and thereby preventing cholera from spreading in the villages. Thank you friends for the water bags. They are alleviated our problems. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. All right. Hey, let me start out by welcoming everybody who's worshiping with us on all of our campuses today, uh, as well as those of you who are linked up on our live stream. And let me welcome all 
of our international partners who are with us from all, uh, they're at all of our campuses today, uh, from Spain, Haiti, Palestine, Poland, Guatemala, Ecuador, domestic partners from the U.S. Man, let's welcome all of them, can we? Let's welcome everybody, everybody, everybody. Glad to have you with us, man. Love you guys. Now, this is a super important week in the life of our church because this is week one of our Faith Promise Celebration. Uh, we take two weeks every year and we celebrate the impact that God is having through our church in our community and around the world. And man, the fact that we get to be a part of it. Now, last uh, year, I opened an email, and when I looked down, I saw the name of a Jewish friend of mine from Israel, and he's one of my ones. Now, we use that phrase here, compassion, you know, because we believe that there is a one, one person in every one of our lives that we are uniquely, you know, positioned to influence for Jesus. And it might be your dad or your mom or your brother or sister or, you know, a spouse or a friend or child or, you know, whatever. But, man, our hope is that we all you know, have this one specific person that we're praying that God will use us to lead to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. And, and when I saw that email from my buddy, man, I'm telling you, my heart just started racing because the last time I was in Israel, I had a really serious conversation with him about forgiveness and how God is willing to forgive anything and how, you know, God's forgiveness in us enables us to forgive other folks and all of that. And this guy lives in Israel half the year and he lives in Miami half the year. And so Sarah and I have been inviting him to come up to our church and visit with us. And we invited him last Christmas to come for the journey, you know, which is our big Christmas outreach thing that we do every other year. And we did it last Christmas. And we were just hoping he and his wife, you know, would come to Savannah, uh, you know, spend some time with us, eat some good Southern food. Can you get amen? You know, see the Christmas story. Let the Holy Spirit hit him and open his heart up to the gospel and and then when I opened the email, you know, he was sharing with me this great business opportunity that he was ramping up uh, that he wanted to talk to me about. And I love this guy, which is why I was so disappointed that his email wasn't about him coming to visit with us so that we could build our relationship and, and hopefully our door would open for the gospel. But on the other hand, it was encouraging to realize that, man, my heart was beating so fast because my focus is on his spiritual well-being rather than just the fun we have when we get together and, you know, a business opportunity might present itself in the future. Now, friends, that response is kind of normal when you start following Jesus. In fact, that's why every year we send hundreds of Compassion Christians on teams and we send financial support, you know, to our partners in Europe and Asia and Africa and North and South America and the Caribbean. Uh, friends, we have lots of those partners with us this week. Uh, I'm just hoping you get to meet them, get to know them and love them uh, because I'll tell you, supporting them is how our church creates a ripple effect that makes a difference around the world here and now. And friends, that doesn't make our church special. That makes our church normal. Amen? Yeah. Any church that does not have, you know, that impact for Christ going on all the time is abnormal. Friends, this is why last week we passed out you know, thousands of dollars, you know, 50 bucks at a pop for Compassion Christians on every campus to invest in showing the compassion of Jesus to families who are making a difference through fostering and adoption. I mean, we're just proactive that way. Uh, I got this text on a Sunday afternoon from a guy in one of my D groups. Uh, he got an envelope uh, with 50 bucks of God's money in it uh, out at our East Campus. And, you know, we met for breakfast and and we plussed him up a little bit. We added a little bit to it. Now he's trying to, you know, work out a plan on how he can invest this money in some foster family or, you know, some family that's adopted kids. 
This is why our pack ministry, you know, had to move into a new warehouse this year. We just outgrew the old one because through this ministry, we feed 9,000 public school kids every month because they struggle with food insecurity. And by God's grace, we've got a ministry set up to try to help with that. Now, friends, we love to see this kind of local action, you know, compassion in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. But I'm telling you, the vision of Jesus for his church is a global vision. So if you've got a Bible with you, turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, if you're using our blue Bible we provide for you in all of our worship centers, it's on page 916. And let's take a look one more time at the plan of Jesus for his love to literally touch the whole world right here, right now. Let's read this all together. Y'all ready? Big voice like lions. Come on, y'all. Here we go. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, friends, this is Jesus' vision for his church. I mean, expanding influence that starts right here at home where we are. This is our Jerusalem. This is why we start campus after campus to reach our Jerusalem. And then it's going to go to Judea, the area around us, and then Samaria, the region around us, and then all the way to the ends of the earth. Because listen, man, people are dying without Jesus every day, and that's bad. So let me tell you what I hope will be the outcome of today's message. I hope every compassion Christian will commit to do whatever you can do to reach our world for Jesus, here and now. And I want to share with you just two or three simple, practical ways that you can do that. First of all, man, we can reach our world for Jesus here and now if we pray. Everybody say pray. pray. Man, I'm telling you, if you were to ask our missionaries what we can do to help them, it might surprise you to realize that prayer would probably be the number one answer. Now, maybe you'd be surprised at that because of your own cynicism. Because, you know, you've prayed and it didn't work out so good for you. And so you've kind of given up on that. Or maybe, you know, it would be an indictment of ourselves because we tend to think that money or resources would actually do more good than prayer. But I'll tell you, for our friends who are serving in countries around the world, some of which are really hostile to the gospel, prayer is a gift our global partners love to receive. Now, I think the Apostle Paul was probably the best known missionary of all time. And he asked his friends in the New Testament to pray for him in three specific ways. In Ephesians chapter 6, he asked the church to pray for boldness. He wanted to be bold. In Ephesians 6, 19, he said, pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, words will be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Man, pray that I will declare it fearlessly as I should. Now, you know, we have two couples in our church who moved to a Middle Eastern country a few years ago. That's the view uh, of that country. We, we've never said the name of this country out loud in public because it's dangerous for the Christians over there uh, if we even mention the name of the country. Uh, but friends, they moved there with their children to launch a ministry there. And that culture is so hostile to Christianity that the police came to their house every month for five years to question them about why they were there. And it was really intimidating. But over that five years, man, they were in that country. They were able to lead a number of folks to leave their old way of thinking and put their faith in Jesus. But I'm telling you, it took incredible boldness to go there. And it took boldness to live there. And boldness just to initiate conversations about Jesus there. But I'm telling you, the outcome of all those bold prayers and efforts were a number of people being led to a life-changing relationship with Christ. 
We have another family in North Africa right now doing exactly the same thing. Brilliant family. They just moved there a few years ago. In fact, I just spoke with one of the brightest college students in our church. She just returned from several weeks serving with them in that country. And I asked one of those guys, man, how hard is it to lead somebody to Jesus if they grew up in Islam? And they said, you know, it's really simple. All it takes is 1,000 cups of coffee. <laughs> That's all it takes, man. You know, you got to build a relationship with them. You got to build a friendship. Uh, you you got to build trust. And then, man, then the door will start to open. But I'll tell you, those folks have boldly waded into that challenge and people are being saved there today because they did. Now, friends, when you're in that kind of environment and you know that there are people back home praying for you and sometimes coming to where you are to pray with you and then you see those prayers answered, dude, prayer is a, it's a power, it's a force, it's a blessing for them. Now, Paul knew this. Consequently, in the book of Colossians, he also asked his church friends to pray for open doors. He prayed that God would just open doors of opportunity for them to clearly share the gospel. Look at Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. He says, pray for us too, man, that God will open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Man, pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Now, I don't know if you realize this or not, but we've been working in some high-stress parts of the Middle East for some time now. Man, we got representatives of some of those ministries with us this week. I hope you get a chance to meet them. Uh, we've been working with missionaries who are reaching out to Jewish people who live in Israel, trying to get them with the gospel. Uh, we've also been working with ministries that reach out to Palestinian people in Israel who live in the West Bank, trying to reach them with the gospel. And man, we've been praying that Jesus would do a work of spiritual reconciliation between the Jews and the Palestinians in Israel based on a mutual love for Jesus that, friends, you've got to know that the cultural and the political hate between those two people groups is really daunting. So we've been praying. We've been praying for over two years. And this past summer, we believe God opened a door for us. It was just amazing. We believe that God was leading us to put together a summer church camp in Israel, uh, like we have here, because we have more students get saved at our church camp than anything else we do for students. So we thought, man, let's try it over in Israel. The plan was we're going to invite Palestinian students and Israeli students to come to camp together and hopefully lead them to Jesus. And then he could lead them to love each other. And that would be awesome, right? Except it's against the law in Israel. It's against the law, man. I mean, the, uh, people in the West Bank can't come into Israel. Those Israeli students can't go to the West Bank. Brutally complicated. So what do we do? Pray. Everybody say pray. That's what we do. We continue to pray. We've been praying. We pray some more. And you know what? When we start, kept on praying, doors began to open. Because there's a really awesome church camp in Poland. And we're partners with those guys. And we have two of their staff members, Tomek and Stephanie, you know, who are key players in that camp in Poland. They're serving on our staff through this whole school year. And let's thank God that these guys are on our team this year, right? Come on, man. Come on. So... The folks in Poland said, we'll host that camp and we call it the 5C camp because we found a way to transport really highly committed leadership type students from five different cultures. We've got Israelis, Palestinians, Americans, Polish students, and students from the Roma culture in Eastern Europe as well. And friends, as far as I know, this has never happened before I know it ain't happened in Savannah, amen? 
It might have happened elsewhere, but it hadn't happened here. But I'm telling you, for the first time this last summer, man, here's a picture of Israeli and Palestinian students praying for each other, which is an answer to our prayer. Anybody want to say praise the Lord? Come on, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, man, listen, we can pray for boldness and we can pray for God to open doors for us. But, you know, we can also pray for the gospel to spread. Man, in 2 Thessalonians 3, Paul told his church friends in Greece, finally, brothers, pray for us that the message of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you. Friends, boldness, opportunities, spreading of the gospel. Man, if we were to pray for those prayer targets, situations in our world would change. Let me ask you a question. Do you know the country in the world that has the fastest growing church today? Iran. Iran. Can you believe that? The church is growing faster in Iran right now than any other country in the world. There are YouTube videos about this, man. Iran is what missiologists call, you know, the 1040 window. It's in this section of the world where there are the, the most unreached people in the world who have never heard the gospel ever live in this zone of our planet. And that's where Iran is. It is a completely hostile environment. And the church is growing over 20% a year there. Every convert faces state persecution and prosecution because they converted to Islam. And there are no buildings, there's no church buildings. There's no denominational organizations. It's just people leading people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Man, one of our partners in India was asked to step in and help, and they began to train medical doctors who are from that part of the world, and those medical doctors are treating patients by day, starting underground churches by night, leading amazing numbers of people to Jesus in countries where it is super dangerous to convert to Christianity. And friends, many of our missionaries are facing spiritual warfare and obstacles like that that we can't even imagine. Some are being persecuted. They're risking physical harm or death. Many are being ostracized because, you know, Christianity stands in direct opposition to the culture where God has called them to serve as missionaries. And for those guys, prayer is not part of the battle. Prayer is the battle. Now, in John Ortberg's book, if you want to walk on water, you got to get out of the boat. He shares one of the craziest prayer stories I have ever heard, all right? And this started because of a guy named Doug Coe. Now, Doug Coe is the guy that started the National Prayer Breakfast in Washington, D.C. every year. And he has this ministry in D.C. It involves primarily people in politics. Well, Doug was in, uh, uh, discipling this insurance guy that he had led to Christ. The guy's name was Bob. And one week, the lesson is on prayer. And Doug shared Matthew 17, 20, you know, where Jesus said, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you consider this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And Bob was like, yeah, right. Be a little skeptical about that promise. And so Doug challenged him. He challenged him in an unusual way. He said, Bob, I'll bet you $500 that if you pray about anything every day for six months, God will move a mountain for you. And Bob said, I'll take that bet. And so Doug said, all right, here's the rules. You've got to pray every day for six months. If nothing happens, I'll give you 500 bucks. If at the end of that time you think a mountain moved, you give me 500 bucks. If you miss praying one day, you give me 500 bucks. Bob said, deal, all right? So, so uh, Doug says, what do you want to pray for? He said, uh, how about Africa? And Doug's like, dude, Africa is a big place. You want to narrow that down a little bit? Just pick a country, right? And he's like, uh, Kenya. All right, I'll pray for Kenya. And Doug said, you know anybody in Kenya? Nope. You ever been to Kenya before? Nope, just came to mind. He said, all right, you pray God bless Kenya every day for six months and we'll see what happens, all right? So Bob starts praying, God bless Kenya every day. 
A couple months go by, nothing happens. Then one night he's invited to a banquet and he sits next to this really engaging African lady. And in the course of the conversation, he finds out she's from Kenya and he can't believe it. And she runs the largest orphanage in that country. And so he's really interested. Tell me about your work. Tell me about your country. He starts peppering her with questions about Kenya. And finally, you know, she was just shocked that he was so interested in her country. She, you know, she said, why, why are you so interested in Kenya? And he was a little embarrassed to say, well, you know, this guy's disciple me, bet me 500 bucks that if I prayed, you know. And, and, and she didn't believe him, but she did invite him to come to Kenya to see her orphanage. And he accepted that invitation. And so he goes to Kenya, and if you could, have you ever been to an orphanage in a developing country? Dude, it will break your heart, man. Those little kids are so sweet, and they're loved so well. Uh, and man, when he got to that orphanage, I mean, his heart was just touched by what he saw. And all the way on the flight coming back to America, he could not get out of his mind, you know. And he began to just wonder and pray, Lord, what can I do to help these kids in Kenya? What can I do to help these kids? And then an the idea came to him. When he got back home, he wrote five of the largest pharmaceutical companies in America, and he told them about the vast need that he saw in Africa. And he reminded them that every year they just throw away huge amounts of medical supplies because they're out of date. Or they went unsold and they can't sell them in America, but they're perfectly good. Why don't you send them to that orphanage in Kenya where they can actually do some good? And some of them did. And that orphanage received over a million dollars worth of medical supplies free from the U.S., and so the lady calls Bob up. Bob, this is amazing. You're not going to believe this. We've had this phenomenal gift come because of the letters you wrote. Dude, we want you to come back over here. She didn't say dude, but she, come back over here. And, and man, we want to have a big celebration. Will you come? And he's like, of course. And so he flies back to Kenya. And while he was there, you know, the kids just blew him away. It was so awesome. And the president of Kenya came with the celebration because it was the largest orphanage in the country. And he met Bob and said, Bob, why don't you let me give you a tour of Nairobi, you know, our capital city. And so he gets in the presidential limo to take just a tour through Nairobi and they stop at his red light and he looks over at this stockyard, right? It looks like a cattle stockyard, except it's full of people. And he says to the president, uh, what's this? And he said, well, that's a, that's a prison, political prison. And Bob said, Mr. President, that's a bad idea, man. You gotta let those guys go. And he said, how can I let these guys go? They're political prisoners. They've tried to overthrow my government. He said, man, all I'm saying is that people shouldn't be treated like that. You gotta let these guys go. End of the conversation. They take Bob to the airport. He flies home. Several weeks later, you know, he gets a phone call from the U.S. State Department. Is this Bob? Yes. <laughs> Were you recently in Kenya? Yes, I was. Did you make any statement to the president of Kenya about political prisoners? Uh, yeah. Could you tell us exactly what you said? I told him, that's a bad idea. You'll let those guys go. They said, that's it? Pretty much that's it. And the guy said, well, Mr. Hunter, on behalf of the U.S. State Department, we want to thank you for negotiating the release of those political prisoners. <laughs> now, we've been trying to convince the president of Kenya to release these guys for years. And I mean, we got nowhere. And then a couple weeks ago, he released all of them and said it was because of a conversation with you. And then a couple months later, the president of Kenya makes a phone call directly to Bob in D.C. He says, look, I'm going to restructure my government and select a new cabinet. Would you come over and help me? And he's like, I don't know a thing about government. Are you serious? He said, no, no, I just want you to pray for me. And Bob said, now that I can do. And he flew to Kenya and he prayed for the president as he restructured a new government, which resulted in the highest percentage of Christians on the cabinet positions in the government of Kenya than ever before in the history of that country. 
And friends, all of this happened because Bob, the insurance guy, a relatively new Christian, consistently prayed for people half a world away and lost 500 bucks, right? (laughs) But what did he gain? And what did the world gain? And what did the kingdom gain? Now, friends, last week we talked about praying that God would provide every foster child in our region a home from Compassion Christian Church. And you know what's been happening since we prayed that last week? Our email here at church has been blowing up, literally, with stories of people who are already moving in the name of Jesus in that direction. Friends, imagine the difference we could make if we all just started to pray consistently. Maybe you specifically pray for an unreached people group somewhere in the world or somewhere where the church is being persecuted every day. Man, what if you, dad, dad, what if you took some spiritual leadership and every night at dinner you had your children pray specifically for one of our missionaries by name. I mean, get their picture off the website. Take turns praying for them by name at dinner. Every night, how do you think that would affect your children's worldview if dad or mom led them in that discipline every night? You know, we actually have prayer teams that meet every week to pray for our mission. They go to our missionaries sometimes and pray for them. We have special teams that we call SWAT teams, spiritual warfare and tactics. And let me tell you, they go to the darkest places in the world and they pray for some of our missions who are having really specific problems. This young man was led to Jesus on the last day of their last prayer tour in one of the darkest, spiritually darkest countries in South America because Christians pray and mountains move and walls fall down. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Praise the Lord, man. Come on. I'll tell you what I'm praying for. Dave Stewart and I have been praying for 10 years that the Lord would move 100 compassion Christians in 10 years to leave the marketplace and invest their lives in uh, global outreach, like this guy. Uh, This is a Christian uh, and his wife, Hannah Swales. Now, if there's ever a guy should have been a missionary, it's Christian Swales. Can I get amen? I mean, mean, you name Christian, bro, you gotta do something for the Lord, right? This guy's an army ranger. He's an army ranger, came to our church, got lit up about the possibility of taking the gospel to people who, who don't know anything about a personal relationship with Jesus. They know about religion. They just don't know anything about a personal relationship with Jesus. And man, they've been in Spain for a year now. They spent a year before that doing language training. Man, they're going to be returning to Spain next Tuesday after spending a couple of weeks here resting up with us. Travis and Emily Weeks grew up in our church. Grew up in our church. You know where they're serving today? Ethiopia. Let me tell you what. These blonde kids do not blend but they are making a huge impact in Ethiopia. And now they got another part of their families moved over there with them. Man, they grew up right here at Compassion. Jennifer Nagy, single woman in our church, super gifted, super gifted artist, super gifted leader. She moved to Poland so that she can optimize her gifts to serve the church in Poland. You know, the truth is, we've already seen over 100 Compassion Christians leave the marketplace and go into the foreign missions. And thank God, we pray about the next 100 now. We're praying for the next 100. And friends, we should just never underestimate what our Father will do when we humbly and persistently ask noble kingdom requests with the right motive. And if you were to to begin to pray for our missionaries, I wonder how God might use you and your prayers might impact the world. Now, prayer is an awesome starting place, but it's just not enough. 
If we want to reach our world for Jesus here and now, we can pray, amen, God will bless that in amazing ways, but we can also give. Everybody say give. give. Now listen, Jesus said some pretty startling things while he was on earth. One of the most startling things he said was, to whom much is given, much will be required. Say it with me, everybody. To whom much is given, much will be required. Now, I don't know about you, uh, but one thing visiting our international partners has done for me is convince me that I am one of those folks to whom much has been given. I've been given a lot. You know, the first time I went to visit our ministry partners in Guatemala, I carried a box of groceries. This is me right here. That box weighs about 400 pounds. Uh, you're right. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But I, I carried a box of groceries to a family of five who live in a 12 by 12 hut, no indoor plumbing, tin roof, corn stalk walls to keep the weather out, one box springs and mattress set up on rocks to keep it off the dirt floor. That box of groceries have been provided by Compassion Kids, our children's, our elementary ministry, for about 50 bucks, you could buy a box of groceries that would feed that family for a month. And I carried that, that box into that little hut, set it down, prayed for them, loved on them a little bit. And when I said goodbye to those folks and I started walking back up that hill, I was convinced that I was one of the folks whom God had given much, which means he will require much of me. And so I started thinking about what I could give. I mean, since he's already given me so much, man, what could I give? And one of the things I thought of, I can give encouragement. I can give encouragement, man. We can all do that, right? I mean, you know, if you're a missionary, uh, like my buddy Anastas, you know, you live in uh, Rwanda. Anastas Savamungu is an awesome guy. But you know, if you live in Rwanda and that's where your ministry is, you serve it in your homeland, right? And the ministry's going to be tough for you, sure. Ministry's tough for us here in America. But at least you're living somewhere familiar. But if you're from Savannah or Statesboro or Midway or Effingham and you're serving in Ethiopia or Thailand, or China, or North Africa, dude, that is a totally different culture. It's about as familiar as living on the moon. So everybody got to be good at something, right? You know what I'm good at? Beef jerky. <laughs> I can smoke beef jerky, y'all. Uh, humility forbids me to tell you how good it is, all right? I'm just saying. So uh, a couple years ago, I sent a big bag of beef jerky with one of our teams that we were visiting some of our uh, workers in Thailand. And so I sent them a little taste of home, a big old bag of beef jerky. And I didn't think very much about it until I heard from those guys. And they were so grateful that they got that jerky because it was a taste of home. It was, it was a reminder that somebody from home was thinking about them. It tasted familiar in kind of a good way. And I was shocked how much they appreciated that little thing. I have a friend who's a member of our church who is the praline queen of Savannah. I'm telling you, man, do not eat one of her pralines without a cup of black coffee. You will go into insulin shock. They are awesome. Awesome. And I asked Sandy one time, I said, could you make me 60 pralines? And she's like, off the diet? Uh, you know, keto's over? Is that what you're telling me? I was like, no. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to meet with a bunch of our missionaries off, offshore, and I'd, I'd just like to take them a little taste of home. Buddy, she baked the best pralines you've ever seen in your life. She had them all boxed up in Tupperware. It was awesome. Man, we took that thing all the way to Europe. They loved it. Just a little taste of home meant so much to them. And let me tell you, she's doing the same thing this week. You know, I have a prayer list that I use in my daily devotions. Uh, and when I'm doing it, when I'm doing right, and I don't always do right, but when I'm doing it right, I've got three groups of people that I pray for. Uh, I pray for family and friends one day. 
And then I pray for my pastoral partners here at Compassion and other pastors that I know of and, and love, you know, around the world. And then the third day, I pray for our missionaries. Uh, and I pray for all of them. And I try to pray for one of those groups every day. So I try to pray for our missionaries every third day, right? And so when things are working right, that's how it works. And this past year, I started sending an email to some of our missionaries. You know, when I would pray for them, I just thought, I'm gonna just send them a little email. Hey, I was praying for you this morning, thinking about you, love you, treasure your friendship. God bless you, man. I'm glad to be in the good fight with you. I mean, that's it, right? Three sentences. You know, I heard back from every one of those missionaries and they said, thank you. Thank you for letting me know that you're praying for me. Man, it was so great to hear from somebody back home in Savannah. I think this is what Paul was talking about in 1 Thessalonians 5 when he says, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Little thing, little act of encouragement. We can all do that, right? I mean, what if we each one just picked one of our missionaries off our website and we just found out what their birthday was and we wrote them an email on their birthday? Or what if we sent them some kind of little surprise in October because October is Pastor Appreciation Month and when you're offshore, nobody remembers that. Just some little care package. You know, it would mean so much more than you think. I mean, it's, it's so simple to give encouragement. But let me tell you, I can also give money. And when you came in here today, you were provided with a faith promise card. It's a commitment card like this. And I don't want you to do anything with this, but look at it. Just look at it. But this is how we support all of our global mission partners. We make a faith promise. Now, friends, a faith promise is a commitment to give some amount of money above your tithe, designated for global missions in faith that God will provide it. It might be 25 cents a week if you're a child and you don't have a job, so you've got to steal it from your dad. That's okay. God will forgive you that. Right. Or maybe $2.50 a week, you know, 10 bucks a week if you're a student. Or maybe, you know, $25 a week or $250 a week in addition to your tithe, you know, depending on how you've been blessed and the strength of your faith. But man, let me tell you, when you turn this card in next week, we're going to tally up your faith promises and we're going to build our mission budget on those faith promises. And then we're going to throw these cards away because our faith is in your faith in a mighty God who can provide what we need to impact the world through our global missions. Now, friends, the great thing about a faith promise is it makes God the source. I mean, dude, you're promising to give this amount of missions above your tithe if God provides it. You're trusting him to provide. And if he doesn't provide it, nobody's going to bill you. Nobody's going to ha hassle you. Dude, that's between you and the Lord. But if he does provide it, don't buy movies with it or minivans. Amen? Now, listen, you, you need to know that by God's grace, because we are a small church that has a lot of people in it, our faith promises have totaled over a million dollars a year for local and global outreach every year for the last decade. Did you realize as a church family we've given over $10 million to global outreach over the last decade? That's awesome, man. Which means because of your faithfulness, your generosity is taking the good news and making a difference here and now on five continents every single day. Dude, for five bucks, we were able to provide a bag like this. You know, that enables a kid in Africa to go to one of the freshwater wells that we've drilled. And maybe an elderly woman could take one of these bags to that well and, you know, not try to carry a five-gallon bucket in her hand or on her head all the way home. 
And then, then, you know, we discovered just recently the beautiful unintended consequence. You know, there's a cholera outbreak happening in Zimbabwe right now. And then we're finding these bags just hanging outside bathrooms and latrines, you know, where our little school children have been taught to wash their hands. And the cholera deaths at our school are almost zero. Because, friends, every dollar you give to this noble cause, the Holy Spirit multiplies a thousand times. And so I just hope you'll take this card home and pray. Lord, what faith promise do you want me to trust you for above my tithe? What do you want me to pledge above my tithe and trust you to provide? And I will make that promise and I will trust you to provide it. And then turn this card in next week. So friends, we can reach our world for Jesus here and now if we pray and if we give. But you know, we also have the opportunity to send. Everybody say send. send. You know, a couple years ago, uh, my cousin's daughter was a student at the University of Georgia, obviously didn't have the grades to get into Clemson, so she went to UGA, all right? Just kidding about that, all right? Forgive me for that one, all right? So she sends me this letter around Easter asking me if I would support her financially on a summer mission trip to South Africa. Now, I've been to South Africa. South Africa's tough. And I was like, you going to South Africa? She said, that's what I'm doing. Now, I love this girl. And I was so proud that she was going to use her time this way. And I thought of all the other things that she could be doing that summer. She could get a part-time job so she could go shopping. Or, or, you know, she could spend her money in dumb places, hooking up with dumb people. Or she could do her summer job and then spend the rest of her time sitting at the beach. Or, you know, sitting around the house watching Netflix or, or surfing the web. Or she could invest that summer break going to South Africa as an ambassador for Christ. And that last one? I, I didn't mind investing in that. I, I was glad to bless that. But here's the crazy thing. Do you remember when Jesus said, give and it will be given to you? Jesus said, if you bless, you will get blessed. Let me tell you, Sarah and I helped finance her mission to Africa. She went there. She made a huge difference. Awesome. Told us all about it. Fantastic. Then she came back to Georgia. She graduated from the University of Georgia. Took a job as a television producer. Moved to Savannah, Georgia. She's a member of our church now. We blessed her and Jesus blessed us with her. And thank God she was here at church last weekend babysitting my mom. I really appreciate that. Now, friends, I'm telling you, we will make a difference here and now if we pray and give and send and friends, if we go, everybody say go. go. God is calling all of us to go somewhere. It might be our town. It might be our region. It might be our country. And friends, it might be to the ends of the earth. This is why on November the 4th, we're hosting our global encounter. It's going to be right here in the lobby at our Henderson campus. Our lobby here is going to be set up like a big missions expo. There'll be information on every trip, you know, to every mission that we support in 2020. And all that info will be available. We've got local trips, you know, where you can go to Tennessee or you can go right here in town and work with some of our partners. Or you can go, you know, literally around the world. And my prayer is that on that Monday night, you will come and you will get informed so that you can pray. Whether you go anywhere crazy or not, you can pray and you can give with a sense of purpose. And maybe you can help send somebody else to go where you can't go. Maybe you're just across town maybe around the world. Because friend, when you hear God's call and you say yes, the adventure will begin for you and the world will change here and now. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity that you've given us, Lord, to be a part of a global ministry that is making a difference, not just here in Savannah, not just here in 
Effingham and Statesboro and Midway and downtown and out east and everywhere else we have a campus, Lord. But it's making a difference around the world. Father, you have put us in partnership with some of the most noble people on the planet. And Lord, you have put them in partnership with some of the most noble people on the planet. And I pray, God, that our work together will bring you glory and lead lost people to, to Jesus. And Father, bring them in and build them up and send them out so that the kingdom just gets stronger and stronger. And we pray this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen, amen. amen.